Well, welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show, I am joined by Brian Hazard for a game of Tales of Clockwork and Chaos. Tales of Clockwork and Chaos is a role-playing game of rebellion in a steampunk world. Using the push system by Cesar Capacle, players take on the role of ground dwellers, organizing a rebellion against their automaton talk overlords and ousting the sympathizers at the top of Cogsmire society. The game is one of the entries in One Night Worlds, which is a collection of one-page, zero-prep, GMless role-playing games that Brian kickstarted last year that have mostly fulfilled at this point and are mostly available on itch.io, including Tales of Clockwork and Chaos. You can find more information about Tales of Clockwork and Chaos, as well as the rest of the One Night Worlds collection, in the show notes. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. Uh, this week, I am so, so excited to be sitting out with Brian Hazard. Brian, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thanks, Jeff. I've been looking forward to hear you thank your future self for a while now. Uh, you know what? It's truly still my favorite part of doing a recording. Uh, it makes me happy, and I appreciate in the future when I hear it. Also makes my day. It's a little double whammy. Um, so, real quick at the top of the show, why don't you let our lovely listeners know about the game that we are playing this week, as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about. Absolutely. So, hi, I'm Brian. I'm a geek and a dad and a relative newbie to RPGs, um, but uh, today I'm excited to be uh, playing with Jeff a game called Tales of Clockwork and Chaos. It's sort of a steampunk uprising rebellion type of game. Uh, it's based on the push system by Cesar Capacle, who's also been a guest on this show. And uh, I'm really excited to uh, to play it with you, Jeff. This actually comes from a recent Kickstarter. We're, we're just coming at, at the time of this recording. We're just coming off of the tale of the Kickstarter for One Night Worlds, which is a collection of six zero prep GMless one page TTRPGs. So we've got dystopian fairy tale game, a steampunk game, which we'll be playing tonight, a haunted house game, a space exploration game, a noir crime mystery game, and a game that I have no idea what it's going to be. It was unlocked as part of the stretch goals. Uh, so I'm looking forward to designing that. All of that uh, made possible by over a thousand backers. So really excited. And hey, thanks. Thanks backers for uh, uh, helping me make a game and get to come on this show which has been a dream of mine for a while now. I always appreciate hearing that. It makes my entire night. Um, so let's talk about Tales of Clockwork and Chaos. Would you like to read us the uh, the opening crawl text? Uh, and then we'll talk through uh, our characters and then we'll play through a little scenario. Excellent. Yes. So here we go. Let me do my best dramatic voice. <laughs> here we go. Tales of Clockwork and Chaos. Cogsmire is more pressure cooker than community. Generations ago, the tox walled us in. Now Horizoners live in the skyship district of Beacon Light, oblivious to their comfortable subjugation and casting a shadow on us ground dwellers. We toil in the whispering mines just to survive, forced to meet the ever-increasing production demands of our clockwork oppressors. Why do they thrive while we suffer? And why are shellsiders left alone to their frugal lives on the giant wandering tortoise district to steam a day? One thing is for sure. Both gear and flesh alike fear the rot-rusters who lurk in the shadows, taking indiscriminately to harvest replacement parts for their relentless decay. 
Hell yes, I am excited. I have been looking forward to this for a while. Um, the vibes are good. I am excited. And uh, we are going to create some characters. We have six things uh, that define our characters. We have a rise, a burn, a pressure, a curio, a spark, and a bond. Each one has six options under it. So I have grabbed six six-sided dice, and I am ready to randomly generate a character, and then we'll see how things go. Let's do it. So for my rise, well, I think we'll take this one at a time. We'll go back and forth and we'll see where our character, that way we can kind of make sure that we're taking different options because no option should be repeated. And we can kind of talk through like who our characters are and how we relate to one another. Sounds good. So for my first option, which is rise, let me roll my dice. Um, I have here, uh, number five, which is my family. We're miners working for Smolderon, which is a talk magnet. Very good. Uh, I got, I grew up on the shell of Testimidae, which is the colossal turtle, uh, turtle district. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, so, uh, my burn, talk to me about, uh, burns are like physic are not physical, but like are things that have marked us about the world that we live in. Correct. Right. Exactly. Yes. For my burn, um, I also rolled, I rolled a four. So I have ornate tattoos paid for by Smolderon. I like this. I, 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 the, these two back to back give me a strong, like, um and the theming of the game give me strong like company town vibes mm-hmm. and i appreciate that kind of blue collar class anger and i think uh, i'm leaning into that with uh, with what i'm envisioning in my head yes yeah, strong connections to smolder on and and yes exactly we're both ground dwellers so uh so we definitely have a bit of a company town thing going on uh for me i got uh number three i lost a limb fighting alongside ezra williston uh who's a dormant hero Mm -hmm. i like that i'm I'm interested in that uh so for our pressure i rolled a six uh this feels good i like this i I will form an alliance with the dwellers of uh day with the shell ciders um that feels good that feels like it gives us an immediate connection Yes. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Testima Day, by the way, is a play off of the scientific name for uh, turtles or tortoises. Uh, couldn't tell you what the actual scientific name is anymore. <laughs> but anyway, uh, number four is what I got. So I will once again captain the Borealis. Okay, so I guess when I fought along Ezra Williston, I must have uh, captained an, an airship, which is a missing airship, the Borealis. Mm-hmm. And if uh, Ezra Williston is, if ever Ezra Williston is dormant, perhaps maybe they've disappeared alongside the Borealis, and perhaps maybe that's as we're starting to like get towards as we're, as we're thinking about what our scenario is, maybe that's part of our challenges is like figuring out what has happened to this ship and where we have to find it to recover it. Oh, I love that. That's great. Uh, so we each have a curio, which is a, a unique object. I have rolled a two. A stolen schematic of Smolderon's stronghold on Beacon Light, a flying city. Man, you just keep getting these Smolderon ones. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like where it's going. I like where this is going. And I got five. A timer counting down to the unforetold, an unstoppable end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a spark. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, I can communicate with both sky beasts and cave terrors. Nice. 
So I think too, your family were miners. I wonder if I wonder if somehow deep in the mines is where you uh, discovered your um, your ability to communicate. I kind of love that. I kind of love that. <laughs> and for my spark, I got number one. I have a reputation for precision with a coal powder musket. Okay, so mm-hmm. I guess I'm kind of a soldier, or at least maybe a yeah. reluctant reluctant to admit that i was a soldier <laughs> i love that i really like that and for our uh for our bond for my bond to the city of cogsmire i rolled a five ask what did the talks take from you and why do you blame me yeah so the intention here with the bond is that you ask that to me so the idea is some, the talks took something from me and i blame you for it what was it Hmm, that's a good one. So let's see. I'm just trying to think about your character for a second. So you, um, you, uh, uh, as your family were miners working for Smolderon, and and uh, you've got ornate tattoos paid for by Smolderon. Um, so I think. Let's see. I think the tox. I believe the tox took, um, my ship. What was it called again? Borealis, <laughs> the Borealis. And um, I blame you not directly. I, it's not that I think that you actually had something to do with it. Or or you know what? How about this? Um, I know that I was maybe the 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 sort of the tox sort of flesh um, uh, henchmen, if you will, uh, tend to have tattoos very similar to yours. Mm hmm. Um, and so I, I have this, this suspiciousness about you. I like that. I really, really like that. All right. And I forgot what, oh, I haven't rolled mine yet. So here we go. Uh, Bond. So I'm asking you, how did you acquire a memory from the whispering minds and why did you give it to me? Um, I think that I gave you, I think I acquired a memory from the whispering minds I imagine that my character at this point has been, I am saying that I have gone, I have at this point, uh, been fighting, uh, like been actively like fighting, uh, smolder on for a fair while. I think that I have, I think this is, this character is already existing in a place of like essentially guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, like part of that was i think i'm gonna go so far as to say uh smolderon representative smolderon uh smolderon union busters dropped a mine on me they dropped a mine on me that was supposed to kill me and it plunged me deep into a cave within the whispering mines that was deeper than that was deeper than like the the floor collapsed beneath me and it dropped me into a cave uh maybe this is also how i learned that I could communicate with cave with cave with uh, cave terrors. <laughs> I love that. And one of the and I pulled a memory out of the mines. Um, and it was very specifically maybe the memory that I took, and maybe this maybe this gives this gives us a hook into our first scene and pulls on a connection a little bit. And maybe um leaving some of that lingering distrust on the field because i still think that's interesting but maybe this gives us uh this gives us an immediate reason to work together Mm -hmm. uh if the memory that i pulled out of it was like one of the last memories of ezra williston and was like fighting against or was flying the flying the borealis off to parts unknown and there's like a specific memory of where the borealis landed that tells us maybe where 
where we need to like look for it or at least like what the like the the signature the distinctive land elements are there so it gives us kind of an immediate reason to work together if i've handed this to you as uh ezra's first mate to say like the borealis is still out there and we could use it to strike back oh i love that and in some ways i think that too gives me uh gives me a reason to trust you uh at least a little right that mm-hmm. that you want to strike them so that's that's perfect cool that feels really good. Um, so uh, otherwise, we just need to give our characters some names and pronouns, and then we talk through. We can start to talk through what our uh, what our what what our scenario is going to be, and what the mission that is going to play out for us over the next several scenes is. Excellent. Cool. Do you have a name in mind for your character? I do. My name is Bruce Lankhammer, and my pronouns are he his. Gosh, you're good at naming. <laughs> you know, I just I, I I had some specific things I wanted to pull on and I it just it snapped into place. <laughs> you know, it's funny is for some reason, I think it's because I, you know, I listen to the show a lot. So brisket is the only thing I can come up with right now. So I'm going to I don't want to go with that because I, I think you went with that for like a, a raccoon character's name on an episode. I did. Once. I did. Now that you mentioned it, I did <laughs> yeah. go with brisket. I think. Uh, but going on that theme. I'm going to go with the last name Smokehouse. <laughs> Smokehouse is good. Smokehouse is good. Smokehouse is fun. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Um, I want a good, strong, brawny name. Do you have any suggestions? What about Tango Smokehouse? Tango. I love that. Tango Smokehouse. And it'll be uh, he, him pronouns. So where, so uh, the way that the gameplay, the flow of play works is that we are going to uh, we are going to, we have our overall mission, which is, uh, raising up against, uh, Smolderon, but also the Tox and sort of building a new Cogsmire that is better and more equitable. But like our smaller focus, what we're going to do is we're going to establish the theme of a scene, establish a challenge within that scene, frame the scene, um, decide what our actions are, um, probably roll some, probably roll some dice in doing so. And mm-hmm. then, um, and then go th- and then move to the top as we kind of resolve things as we move towards sort of an ending for our particular quest. Mm-hmm. And just by way of giving some, some broad, uh, context to it. Uh, one of the other elements here is that there's, um, a list of agenda goals that they're group goals. And so, you know, this is the game. Absolutely. You can have a satisfying session as we will tonight uh, with just one one gameplay session. Um, You can also there's enough sort of prompts here that you could play a short campaign. Um, And these goals are are the goals that the group is expected to achieve Mm -hmm. as you go through the mission. So I'm not going to read them all, but things like lose faith in your most cherished heroes or uncover corruption amidst Cogsmire society. So you can see that they're more narrative goals than they mm-hmm. are um, sort of uh, gameplay goals. And the idea is to to push the story in certain directions. So, All right. Um, here's what I would like to do. Why don't you go ahead and roll 1d6? I will also roll 1d6, and that'll narrow us down onto – that'll uh, allow us to roll on the matrix – as there are six D6 tables, so we will, uh, one of us will roll, uh, would you like to roll for the, the, the table or the specific result on this first scene? I'll go for the table. All right, uh, then I have rolled one. What table are we rolling on? Interesting. Okay, so it's table three. 
the crushing weight of small. I mean, that feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like that feels pretty good for like <laughs> we have the vibe that I'm getting is that you and I have just met up. Like I have maybe just presented you with this information, right? Like I have just given you this idea that 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 Ezra and the Borealis are still out there. And if the theming is the crushing weight of Smolderon's boot, <laughs> how do maybe and maybe that ties into the fact that I have the schematic of their stronghold on Beacon Light. What right. um I'm going to ask you where are like where are we? Where is our interaction? Where have I found you? Where have I arranged for us to meet? Like where are we meeting for me to hand you this memory? So here's what I'm thinking, okay? You've you've learned of me through the memory mm-hmm. um, because uh, as it sort of like played back for you, so to speak, um, I'm imagining almost a uh, uh, Princess Leia R2-D2 type of thing um, <laughs> as it as it played back for you. Um, you know, part of it was sort of my last moments with uh, Ezra Williston and um but then the rest of it was was uh her fight and um you know taking taking the ship away so it's kind of a montage of scenes almost if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah. um so you um perhaps went to find me on Testima day where i like i was um visiting family right i i mm-hmm. grew up there but i'm thinking that maybe um Maybe, uh, well, I'll leave it to you. How does Smolderon come into this? Um, I think Smolderon comes into this because I think to to get to Testima Day, like it requires because it is this it is this colossal turtle and it is like well off, uh, well off on its own sort of corner of the city. It requires transit. Mm-hmm. And it requires, um, like, hopping onto some kind of a transit. Let's go with a mechanized daddy long leg spider, because that is appropriately steampunk. And oh, so, by the way, we actually have a uh, an element in here that comes up at t- from time to time called the arachtics. So it could be an arachtic. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Um, and... You know, um, what I'm envisioning is very specifically like a daddy long legs with mechanical legs and like wrapped around sort of the shoulder joints are, for lack of a better way to put it, like tote bag straps that lean down into like train cars or um, cable cars. Nice. And I think while riding on this, uh, this Arachtic I think I am spotted, and there is a chase scene that unfolds uh, across Testima Day uh, as several uh, Smolderon enforcers, and we see these distinctive tattoos uh, chase after me, and I find you mid-chase. I love that. Excellent. So uh, where on Testima Day do we find- do, do, do I and several Smolderon enforcers find you? All right, so I think it's my, uh, well, it's got to be my favorite pizza shop. <laughs> got to be. That feels good. That feels good. Excellent. So what's our goal here? What's the, what's the challenge? Is it just escape? I think so. I think it is. It is escape or dispatch these Smolderon enforcers so that we can, so that we can like properly devise a plan, right? Like we are mid chase scene. Excellent. And I think if I can set the scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
um, you are walking out of your pizza place with a pizza in hand, and there is a commotion on, like, this long city street. Um, uh, several people break out, and I am picturing kind of, like, if we're, if we're throwing, if we're throwing big fantasy, I am picturing running along walls and kind of doing CGI, like, super parkour. And, uh, like, I imagine chasing and fighting through these enforcers, uh, I come crashing through, I lock eyes with you, I dash past the crowd, and I wipe a thumb across your forehead, and, like, a tattoo appears across your forehead and then disappears in an instant, and that is, like, you receive, like, you are awash in these memories of Ezra, including where the Borealis has touched down. Nice. So it's like, this is like a steampunk matrix scene. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you have been thrown in, you have been fully thrown into it. You have this, me- this memory, uh, has appeared to you mm-hmm. and maybe there is a, what is, what happens in the moment? There's like a, a peak action movie, like a moment of stillness between us as the memories kind of settle into your mind. What do you say? What do you do? How do you react in those, that moment? Um, I think I take a a big bite of my pizza and I'm chewing it and I say, let's go. <laughs> All right. And I crack my knuckles and uh we start to we start to go, which means I think we are going to roll some dice here. All right. So the this how many of these henchmen are there, you think? I'm picturing three. I am picturing three of them. And they are, like I said, running along the walls, doing kind of some kind of like matrixy action. Um, I'm trying to decide if it's. I don't think I was thinking originally like a magicy thing, but I kind of want to lean into the techiness. And I think that there are, especially if it is Smolderon, I think they are. I think they uh, they've got like uh like some jet spray, like jet jump jet boots, and like various mechanical things that they're kind of like flying around with. Nice. Okay. Cool. So I think I've just said let's go, right? And uh maybe it's unclear to the to the to the viewer of this scene uh whether it's it's an aggressive like let's go buddy, you know, that sort of thing mm-hmm. or a, let's let's go together, right? That sort of thing. And so I I kind of aggressively uh push you. Um it seems like maybe it's a fight thing, right? But actually I'm pushing you out of the way just as one of these um uh, henchmen uh, sort of dives through you, and at that moment, I'm I'm pulling my um, my coal powder musket, like which I of course always keep strapped mm-hmm. uh, onto my back, um, out of you know off of my back to take aim um, at one of the approaching um, henchmen in the distance, and so I, I think if you'll if you're uh, cool with it, I'll I'll take the honor of the first roll. Go for it, yeah. Okay. So the way rolls work in in any push game, just a quick aside for people, is that you roll once with a d6, um, and you actually want to roll a five or a six for a strong hit, right? Anything lower than that is a weak hit. Um, If you get a weak hit, which means that there uh, there will be a complication in addition to you getting what you want, you can take the risk of rolling an additional d6, um, but if you do, you have to add it to your result. Uh, and if you get a seven or above, it's a miss. So you get what you don't want. Um, so, and there's a complication, right? Okay. 
So I take aim at someone in the distance. I'm hoping that I, I hit them and not the water tower behind them. Uh, and I'm going to roll. And I get a six. So it's a strong All right. hit. Strong hit. You get what you want. Mm-hmm. So um, they just, you know, just go flying back. These these muskets, you know, they're they're big old um, musket balls. So they just, uh, you know, it's it's lethal, but uh, we don't see anything too gruesome. They just they just go flying back into the distance. Can I propose something? Sure. Does it hit like uh, does it hit the side of maybe like a back mounted like wing pack that has like unfolded oh. and like it's flying it hits and they go like you know that we see the smoke puttering out of this like uh this like gold and silver jet engine this real buzz light ear looking like jet pack and <laughs> you pick you 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 catch the side of it and they just twirl off and then there's an explosion i love it way up in the air it's like a it's mm-hmm. like a firework going off <laughs> yes absolutely i am also going to make a roll to say um you throw me out of the way and i think like in the the camera is like is spinning around us and it's like one uninterrupted shot i am going flying you pop your musket and i um do like a double like i i kind of like roll out of it and do sort of a pop up and picturing i am picturing one of my hands as metal i've got a metal hand sort of this big chunky looking gauntlet and i'm picturing i'm going up and throwing like a a flying punch at one of these other enforcers and that is a four i'm gonna take the weak hit i'm gonna take the weak hit all right what's the cost what's the cost or complication i think i i think that like it's just a fluid thing and i just we get the slow-mo shot of punching this enforcer in the jaw and some teeth go flying and some uh, and some spittle goes flying and they are just knocked out. But what is the complication in play? Well, uh, you, there is a complications table. So so if you want, oh, you, yeah. can, you can go uh, right off the cuff or you can roll on the complications I'm gonna table. I'm going to roll on the complication table. That is one, a character is negatively affected. <sighs> I want to put this on either you or just like a person on the scene. I think I'm going to put this on. I think I'm going to have this on you because I think that makes good drama, especially mm-hmm. if we don't trust each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think in that moment, how do I how do I want to negatively impact one of the two of us? I think, you know what? I'm going to put myself into danger here and force you into action, I think. All right. I think like I, I I land that punch and I um a like metallic chain a hook on a chain sort of this mangly looking uh not quite like a like a series of curved hooks on the end of a chain sort of like latch me in the shoulder as somebody has unfurled uh they've got a chain fist because that's appropriately cool and steampunky. They've got a, the, they fired like their fist, uh, sort of a hook into a chain. It's dug into my shoulder and I am being dragged back towards this enforcer. Hmm. How far away are they? They are about 15 feet away from you. I am, uh, I was only about like three, four feet from you. And now I'm being pulled in that direction away from you. Okay. I'm thinking that, um, you know, I'm not a fast runner uh, because uh, I've only got one leg and kind of a peg leg sort of uh, um, second leg. Um, but I do I know the area really well. 
And I know that only steps behind the henchman is who's sort of pulling you toward towards them is a steep drop off. <laughs> uh, having grown up on on uh, to steam a day, I, I know this. So mm-hmm. uh, my goal is to try and um, try and get them to fall backwards. But I guess that could backfire because because you're on a hook. So, gosh, how do I want to take take care of this? Um, let's see. Tango is going to. I don't want to always resort to the to the musket because it feels boring. Um, I think I think what I'll do is um, I'm going to actually pull off my my uh, peg leg and uh, I I'm I'm going for just weird fear factor here, right? Um, I'm going to wave it like a crazy man over my head and and like hop towards <laughs> hop towards this uh, henchman. Um, just hoping that he's like, you know, I got to get out of here and stumbles mm-hmm. backwards. Um, it's a weird choice, but I'm doing it. Here we go. I'm going to go for a roll on this because it certainly doesn't yeah. feel like it's likely to work. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, gosh, it's a one. I'm one is uh, low enough that I feel like if I roll again, there's a good chance I'll get a strong hit. All um, right. So here we go. And and of course it's a six, uh, so that means I get seven, which means it's a miss. Um, so I I'm not getting what I want here, and there's going to be a complication. So so what I don't want um, is an important distinction. When I do a miss, I like it to be uh, not 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 getting what you want, but rather getting what you don't want. Um, I think what I don't want is that you know this this person is not scared at all of what I'm doing and actually just sees it as an opportunity to, to, um, you know, to not have to deal with two of us at once. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a complication goes, I'm going to roll on this table. And I think what that looks like is the hook comes out of my shoulder and I'm kind of like still on the ground, like holding it as the, as it retracts and, um, it retracts slightly and, and they're now spinning. They're now spinning it. Like they've, they've, uh, They've, they're holding the chain and kind of spinning it, and they're going to come in close to try and, uh, like, slash you with it. Oh, man. And uh, so uh, for, the op- for the complication, I got a new threat or obstacle appears. Um, it could be just that, or it, or it could be something entirely separate. I actually, yeah. I think uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, th- we're going to throw big here. We're going to throw big in this scene because this feels like a good opportunity um we see like um i think i am nursing my wound right like i'm screaming and rolling i just had a giant hook rip out of my shoulder there's blood i'm rolling and i roll and i see like the uh i see the unconscious enforcer and i see like the body of this other enforcer that blew up in the air like collapse down and i see um what do we want rot rusters to look like in this? In, like, what is what is the visual you get? Because I think what happens is because there are dead and unconscious like uh, people with like mechanical parts mm-hmm. because because there is there is metal to be harvested mm-hmm. because there's metal to be harvested. I think the rot rusters like appear. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think first of all, there's just a smell. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you notice is there's there's some kind of 
um just a fragrance it's kind of uh you know like a like a, a roadkill that's been sitting in the sun too long kind of smell um and uh the next thing is you hear the sound of like sewer grates um sliding like all around us um and as far as the visual um i think that um i mean that whole ro- roadkill sitting in the sun thing i think also applies for the visual except that there is you know there's a bit of that and there's a bit of like shiny beautiful new metallic parts uh sort of spliced in in unexpected ways as well i picture uh the shape that i picture like i think that we see almost like the 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 the, i'm going with the immediate visual that i went in my head and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and invert it or like (laughs) uh play with it at all because i think that it's cool on its own right armadillo like oh big big chunky shell uh, mm-hmm. sort of like a almost a beak more than a more than a nose like uh like a chomping beak um arms those like squat arms and legs kind of sticking out of it um and it's uh and i think that they run like they kind of they split they split between running on two legs and four legs and two legs and four legs <laughs> and they swarm and they just start ripping the metallic pieces off of these bodies and i think there is now an absolute panic in the share uh, in the street. Like there's an absolute panic unfolding around both of us as this enforcer approaches you. And also like there has been a rot ruster sighting and it's mm-hmm. kind of uh it's a little termite like of like, if there's two of them, there's a lot more of them around. Right. Like, like almost tornado um, siren type sounds start yeah. going off all around us. Um Yes. So people are running in every direction and it's pandemonium. Uh, what should we do? <laughs> um, I think in this moment, I am going to uh, I'm going to act fast and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to use what's available to me. I'm going to throw a rot ruster at this enforcer and hope that it goes well. <laughs> I picture them like I'm. I'm thinking armadillo, like armadillo size too, like around the size of like a particularly large cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just gonna like roll over, grab one by its shell, and just sort of toss it at this uh, at this enforcer. That is also a one. Oh gosh! <laughs> and I'm gonna roll this second dice. That is a two. That's so good. That is still a weak hit. Mm-hmm. A complication emerges. But I get what I want, which is this thing, uh, like landing on the enforcer. I think that it, I think that we see him walking towards you and he's twirling the chain and like he goes, he rears back just in time to look over and you hear a scream as it just like lands on him. (laughs) And our complication is a new threat or obstacle appears. Oh gosh, it just keeps piling on. Can I propose? Uh, Can I propose? Uh, because this is both a threat. And it might help us get out of this. <laughs> uh, the sky starts to darken. Um, and sky beasts uh, start diving from the sky. Uh, I really, really like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, this is just, for, for everybody here, this is just, you know, oh my god, two, two like, complete disasters occurring simultaneously. Um and and so now people aren't sure what to, you know they're they're lifting people up into the air and 
Um, meanwhile, the rot rusters keep coming out of their hidey holes. Um, yeah, it's, it's chaos. What are, what are you doing? I know exactly what Bruce is going to do. What is, uh, what is Tango going to do? Um, well, let's see. I think, um, at this point I have, uh, <laughs> I have sort of, um, ashamedly uh started strapping my my leg back on because uh that was a really bad <laughs> bad ploy that didn't work out um and i'm just i'm just hightailing it um but i don't want to lose sight of you so so i'm i'm just kind of running towards you at this point um saying I, we gotta we it, you know we gotta go while the while the chaos is good for us let's get out of here that's all and I think I kind of roll to my feet and I'm holding my shoulder and I, I see a couple of these sky beasts like start to pick people up. And I, I see one of them is kind of staring at me and I, I put up I put up one finger and I'm like, no, you make them drop them, <laughs> put them down. And I'm like, what are you doing? Let's get out of here. Put them down. You know that that's the deal. You know that you know that you don't take people unless I give you unless I give you the whistle. And so I think maybe it puts that person down and turns towards us and like, you know, starts coming towards us. You know? two, uh, two of the other sky beasts like put people down and like all like I'm picturing like four or five of these things like start walking towards us. And I'm like. You know, we, you know, <laughs> I appreciate this. This is why we have a good partnership. And you're having a calm discussion and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, um, I kind of, um, I turn towards you and I hold out my arms, except one of them doesn't go all the way. And I'm like, this isn't going to be great. This isn't going to be great. And I think one of the sky beasts, the one that I was talking to, like skirt, like jumps up, starts flapping its wings, latches onto my shoulders, and I just scream. And I'm like, "Hold out your arms! We're making an escape!" <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> so I, I uh, hold out my arms, and uh, and uh, yeah, it just grabs onto me, and and we fly off into the sunrise. <laughs> uh, and so I think our next scene is in one of these abandoned mines. It's like the mouth of one of these abandoned mines. Uh, we see like some sky beasts land. Maybe I throw like uh, I grab some meat out of a little like cupboard and I throw it and the, the sky beast starts eating. And I'm like, see, there's always food. You don't got to you don't got to go hunting. I got you covered. <laughs> awesome. All right. Should we roll on the Matrix again? Yeah, let's do it. I will roll for the table if you want to roll for the result. Let's do it. I rolled table five. Okay, and I, I rolled one. Well, this is... <laughs> we might want to swap the result because yep. it's you know what? Sky Beasts in Flight. <laughs> well, then, you know what? Um, maybe, actually, we're not even at the cave yet. Maybe we are, like... Maybe we have, like, we've landed. Mm -hmm. Maybe we have, we like, we, we pan over... And like, um, we pan over and we have, we have, we have swapped positions. We're no longer quite being held by the sky beasts. And now we're properly like riding them. I'm picturing a little bit of the flying beasts from Lord of the Rings that the Nazgul fly. Nice. And so like, we've properly like moved into flying I think, them. I think that you, you're over there, um, looking like really happy and, and like, oh, this is so much better. And I'm I'm uh, still have this like grimace on my face, like this is not that much better. <laughs> I 
Yeah. So what I what I want to propose then is that maybe I have like maybe I have like flipped around and I am riding the sky beast, and you are still being <laughs> held by the shoulders because you don't have of like you're just like well this is I guess what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm screaming like, put me down! Put me down! All right, all right. Let's put them down, put them down. <laughs> and I think, like, where do we, where, what, what tiny abandoned place do we touch down? At, like, albeit temp, is it a rooftop? Is there, what is, what is notable about the location that we, like, touch down briefly at? Uh, um, I think it's, it's just like a, like a spire mountain, you know, where it's just like mm-hmm. almost a, Almost like a pencil standing up, you know that sort of uh, formation. Mm. So we're we're at the very top of a spire mountain, uh, and I kind of hop off of the beast. I give it a little scruff on its cheek. I'm like, "Good, good flying, buddy." And I'm like, "Don't let him go." <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <sighs> I think what, so. We need to establish a, a challenge now um, for this new scene, and. Um, Let's see. So we, um, you know, we now both have this memory, um, you know, the benefit of the memory. Um, so what if what if this challenge is not necessarily a physical one or an external one? Mm-hmm. What if the challenge here is that like we this is us. This is us. Like the challenge here is finding a way to communicate with one another. All right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, because you've said that there is an issue of trust here and this feels like a time for us to like establish that trust in one another. I like it. Let's do it. So this is kind of a, kind of a debate sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, And I think as far as framing the scene, yeah, we're, we're very high, um, Mm -hmm. probably above the clouds even. Right. Yeah. Um, So we can see well beyond the walls of uh, Cogsmire. And we um, see uh, the city. We see the city in the distance. If it's a flying city, like we see mm-hmm. it in the air, mm-hmm. we see beacon light floating. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think I have started taping my shoulder. Right, like I hop off, I reach into a saddlebag, and I just grab some bandages and start just looping it around my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think Tango is very red faced. He didn't like the way that he was just. Uh, sort of manhandled by by the sky beast, um, and while uh, he's clearly very excited about uh, the prospect of uh, having some knowledge about where the borealis might be, um, the fact that it came from you is is of course suspicious. So I think uh, I'm going to walk up to you while you're you're sort of digging in your satchel and uh, taping your shoulder. Um, and I'm going to say, so what's in it for you? Bruce, by the way. Okay. What's in it for you, Bruce? Thank you. And I kind of stand up and I spin around and I'm, and I think we're even so high up that we're kind of viewing like, uh, we're kind of viewing the flying city. We're, we're seeing beacon light, maybe at a slight downward angle. Like this might be like the highest point. This is where the sky beasts like make their nests. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking down. We're gonna launch a raid. We're gonna take over Beacon Light, and we're gonna start something new, something better, or maybe just get payback. I haven't really decided that far out yet. That's more of a that's more of something for the thinkers. I'm not really the thinking type. Assuming that you're even being honest with me, and your tats say you're not fair. You're 
of course, you're young and idealistic and you still believe that it's possible to beat them. But I've already done my part. I fought hard and it cost me my leg, my friend, and my ship. What have you done? Your friend is still out there. The ship, the ship is still flyable. And the dream, well, that's up for debate, I guess. So you think we can build something new, huh? I think we can burn down what's here. What comes next is for somebody a lot smarter than a guy like me. You keep saying we. What do you think you can do? I think I, I crack a smile and I put a uh, I put a, my pinky in my mouth and I give a whistle and the sky beast starts start circling and then I give another whistle and they stop. <laughs> and I uh, I look at my I look at my my metal hand and I kind of close it into a fist and reopen it a couple times and I'm like, well that's one. Fair enough. Two two I could show you but we'd have to be in a cave. <laughs> All right. Plus, you know, I could take a punch, I think, pretty well, and frankly, there are worse qualities to have in a fight. All right, but we're going to need more than just you and me, kid. That's where the Borealis comes in. That's where Ezra comes in. We get a symbol. Mm. From there, we get a crew. It all sounds so great. But l- listen, Ezra was the hero of the last rebellion, the failed rebellion. She could have taken down the Tox, but she didn't. She ran. Or at least that's what I thought until until you did whatever you did to me back there. What was that? That was a uh that was a gift from straight from the Whisper Minds. From the Whisper Minds to my thumb to your mind. And the Borealis. The Borealis was taken from me by people like you. People with those same tats. The Borealis was taken from you by Ezra when she fled. The Enforcers, well, they were just what she was running from. You've got a point there. You're not wrong. All right. But, as I see it, you can call me a dreamer, but I see two possibilities. Let's hear them. Either we bring Ezra on board... And she finishes what she started? Or we let her live her life on the run and we take her ship and we start our own rebellion? To me, that feels like a win-win. And I think, um, I think also your, um, your pressure might feed into this too, by the way. Um, I will forge an alliance with the Shellsiders. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's, there's an element here. <clears throat> so... Tango says, all right, Bruce. I'm Tango, by the way. Pleasure. I lost a limb in the last war, but I've got three more left. So, uh, hey, if this one fails, I'll still have two more, right? But That's, That is the kind of optimism that I like to hear. <laughs> but even if we get the Borealis, and even if we get the legendary Ezra Williston back on board, we're still going to need more bodies, more flesh to throw at the tox. Where do you propose we get them? You keep saying Ezra was the hero of the last rebellion. So what if I suggested to you that you knew more people willing to fight than you think? And I think that like 
as he says that, he kind of like steps past Tango and looks in the in the opposite direction from Beacon Light towards the turtle shell and just kind of stares. Mm. Whole lot of people, awful good hearts, just need a push, just need a reason to fight. Turns back towards you, puts a hand on, puts, puts, not a hand on your shoulder, kind of like shoves you with two fingers in the shoulder a little bit. They need somebody to look up to and to fight on their behalf and to show them that they, that they can fight. Well, I'll give you this. The Tox would never see him coming. Let's do maybe this. Make, maybe makes him the perfect uh, backup army. <laughs> All right. I think I think Tango's in. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, there hasn't been anything we've needed to roll for this scene, but it, does, it hasn't right. really felt like we that needed feels, to. Mm-hmm. That feels good. That feels good. Let's set cool. up our next scene. I think. Uh, why don't you roll for the table? I'll roll for the result. Sounds good. All right. I got a one. Sometimes dice rolling is magic. Okay. Because <laughs> I rolled a five. Nice. Ezra Williston's dream reborn. <laughs> this um, is, it has gone well. <laughs> I think this has to be us finding as this has to be us finding Ezra's hideout and finding the Borealis. And like, to an extent that kind of chase that kind of requires I think that this is a this is a little bit of a montage, and it requires a little bit of uh, like dream interpretation. Like we're like mm-hmm. scouting things that we're scouting visuals that match certain angles and things, and that is sort of. I mm-hmm. think the challenge is find where the borealis is hiding. Right. So do you so, want to do you want to play through the montage or do you or or, or um, how do you want to handle that? I think so. I think I want to play through the montage because I think that like what I'd like to do is maybe make a couple die rolls, mm-hmm. um, describe how each of us our each of us are searching for Ezra's hideout. Mm-hmm. Maybe we, like we 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 describe one or two approaches. We roll some die and. We we take any complications that we get and we carry them through into the next scene, which will be us like meeting Ezra, discussing if we want to join up with if Ezra wants to join up with us mm-hmm. and possibly getting into a big chaotic fight. And then that'll be a good cliffhanger. That'll be a good like ending beat for this uh, for this this chapter. Love it. Cool. So how is how is Tango like how is Tango uh, when faced with. Finding this place, how is Tango? Uh, how are you? How is your? What's your approach? I think that you know Tango has the military background here, and um, so for for him, it's like it's just sort of uh, survival stuff, right? We've got a long distance to cover, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think the first sort of uh, scenes of the montage are just like. Um, you know, us trying to make our way there through, uh, through, you know, well, this is a city. Um, so this doesn't make sense. Never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's like, it, it doesn't and it does at the same time because, mm-hmm. like, you're relying on like a military, like, directional background, like your, yeah. your tracking skills. Given the fact that, like, we don't have a clear picture of, like, where this, like, we have, like, 
a vague idea, but there's, I think that we get a sense of like you kind of moving through the streets and like stopping on, you know, uh, like fire escapes and outcroppings and kind of like looking out at the skyline and matching it to the memory in your head and going like, it's not this angle. It's gotta be. And we're kind of like, we see you kind of like stalking the stalking the skyline. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's sort of that, uh, almost naval sort of skyship, uh, star, mm-hmm. star charting, if you will, yeah. um, to, to get us there. I'm following, uh, I'm following the constellations and all that. That's great. I love that. Cool. Um, give us, give us a die roll. Let's do it. All right. So hopefully I'm leading us in the right direction. Here we go. All right, and I got a five right from the get go. So I think I've led us, um, I've led us to a landmark that is in the memory. What's that landmark? Mm-hmm. That landmark is a, it is a a um, it is a retired skyship, right? It is mm-hmm. one of these um, like big honking. It's got like a battleship aesthetic, and it's like in a dock, and we see it from an exact angle, and we see the sort of memory overlaid on top of it, and we kind of follow through. And um, I think within that, my my thing is like we see that, and we see you know the camera kind of swirls around you as we see the scene exactly as it was laid out in memory, and then we see you, and over your shoulder behind you, we see a sky beast swoop. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, how I am contributing here is, um, like, flying through and, like, scouting. And also there is a moment where, you know, there is, like, something that we need. Maybe we need, maybe we need, uh, maybe, like, we need something from, like, a safe house, right? Like, there's something that we need to get where we're going. Maybe it is, maybe it is, like, um papers or it is like access to an arachnic and like we see two sky beasts just like tear into this safe house as i kind of hop off of uh my buddy's shoulders and kind of just start collecting things and that is a six and that is exactly what we see it is just chaos as i grab things i walk through a door i give you a two-fingered salute and we just keep making making our way through i think um another piece is that we know that if we find the Borealis, um, we're going to need some ultra refined coal powder, um, mm. to, to fuel it. Um, cause it's obviously been sort of hidden away for quite a while and, and not well fueled. So, uh, I, I think part of this is that I, on our way, um, do a sort of an infiltration of a refinery um, to get, it's just a small vial, but this stuff is so refined, uh, that it'll, it'll fuel the Borealis for, uh, for our whole, you know, battle. Um, so let's see how this goes. I'm, I'm infiltrating the refinery mm-hmm. and, and I roll a one. So I am going to try again and hopefully I don't roll a six. <laughs> Here we go. And I've rolled a six. <laughs> so. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> All right. So something something has gone wrong here. Um, roll me. So roll me a complication and we'll carry it through into the next scene. I love it. Okay, here we and go. And then we'll, we'll describe how you don't see this complication and like you don't see that this complication is building in the background. Yep. Here we go. Um, so, okay. It's, it's that five again. A new threat obstacle appears. 
over your as you you sneak off with it over your shoulder three like two more enforcers with these tattoo symbols like uh like one of them kind of peers you and and taps another one on the shoulder and like they have started to follow us oh man okay so i think i've i think i'm slick and have gotten off scot-free but we have a tail now okay and um we've got we've got like uh we've got the documents that we need we've got the we've got like a location we've got the the powder the only thing left is getting us there and i think i finally like i gesture for you to sit onto the shoulders of one of the beasts and i'm gonna fly us where we're going excellent that is a three i'm not risking it all right so we gotta take a complication Mm mm-hmm that is a two, which is a character is put in danger. And I think the thing that has put us in danger. I think uh, I've described these saddlebags. I think that like we see like rustling in a saddlebag uh, and we see like a uh, we see a rot ruster. Like as we start to take off in one of the saddlebags of the Sky Beasts, a rot ruster like crawls inside. Oh, man. So when we get there, they're, they're, we're going to have uh, a mirror of the fight scene we had in the beginning, but with Ezra, and now we're both trying to convince Ezra to to take up the cause. Excellent. All right. So let's roll for uh, let's roll for our what what the complication or what the scene is for our final scene. All right. Or do we want to carry through Ezra Ezra Williston's dream reborn? Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. That was all just okay. a m- montage leading into it. Yep. That feels great. Cool. So where is Ezra hiding out? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think, so there's, um, I just rolled on the table anyway, <laughs> just to, just to see if it inspired something for me. And I got uh, rising from death creeper ruins. So I think we'll, we'll keep our matrix uh, uh, result of Ezra mm-hmm. Williston stream reborn. But what if um, Ezra has hidden out with the Borealis at the famed Death Creeper Ruins. That feels great. Um, so I think, I don't exactly know what Death Creeper Ruins is, but I imagine that it is um, something like a, a steam-powered mech or something like that, like the like the exoskeleton of a steam-powered mech uh, that that is, you know, from time before, like, it's prehistoric almost. We don't even know what it's That's from. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the size. It's a. It is its own like city district. It is a mm-hmm. mech the size of a city district, mm-hmm. with like smaller like cities living amongst the wreckage, or smaller like with people living amongst or like wreckage large enough that you could hide amongst it. Mm-hmm. So we find Ezra in the hand of the ruins, and we see these giant obelisk like fingers. Ezra is sitting on like a stone. Like carving, just doing some some carving, maybe like crack something, maybe crack something open and like is, you know, uh, just real, like obviously like visibly roughing it. Nice. So I think when she sees me and she obviously knows me well, how do you think she uh, reacts? Um, I think that she sees like the sky beast uh, shadows overhead and like goes for her own musket and then um bruce like jumps down and the musket is pointed at him and then you kind of (laughs) fall behind do you fall gracefully or do you fall on your face (laughs) oh it's got to be falling on my face (laughs) i think how about uh 
what if what if I actually fell uh, before? So so the mm-hmm. first thing is just ah splat, but I'm kind of crumpled on the ground, so she hasn't actually seen me yet. You know? Yeah. Other so than, she sees, yeah. she hears that, and then she sees me fall. I've got the the musket pointed at me, and I'm like, I really thought you taught him better. I thought you taught him how to walk on a skyship. <laughs> so I'm sort of like crawling to my knees and and getting up, and I and I say, "Hello, Ezra." And she like puts the leans the musket on a stone, head in hand. I don't know whether to be impressed that you found me or furious that you are so bullheaded that you showed up to try and convince me to fight some fight. And before you say anything, that's why you're here, isn't it? Ezra, you cowered out of the last fight. I don't care if you fight in this one or not. All I want is the Borealis. I think Bruce over your shoulders, I actually would not (laughs) turn down her fighting in this fight, frankly. Very cool. Um, I think what I'm, what I'm uh, angling for here is to, um, is to uh, fulfill the agenda goal of lose faith in your most cherished heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Anyway. um, I think, and I think that exactly like, I think that, In the sense of getting what your character doesn't want, Mm -hmm. or what we both don't want, uh, just making this an immediate, uh, an immediate weak hit moment. Um, she just like, I picture it's not keys; it is literally like a feather. Mm -hmm. But she just like plucks it out of her belt. Like, all right, it's yours. (laughs) I was never here. Just like that, you really don't want to fight, Ezra. You said you don't want me to. It sounds like we're in agreement. <sighs> Whatever. And I start to walk away. And I say, you know what? I spent the last 15 years thinking that you cowered and ran away. But I never lost faith that you had a reason. The reason for abandoning all the people who put their faith in you. All the people who whose only hope for not being crushed by the tox was that you would stand your ground. A reason that you walked away from that. Ezra, Ezra, tell me you had a reason. And as you're saying that, um, shadows form over all of us as uh, attached to like hang gliders. With like it's a jet engine and a hang glider and a drill car. So like a little tank thing with a big giant drill in the front. Mm. Several of these come hurtling towards us. And uh, the the hang gliders detach and they just drop down. And Ezra over the roar of the engines just says to you, you want a reason? There's your reason. Because there's always going to be more. There's always going to be more people to fight. There's always going to be more weapons, more war, more death. You want you had faith, and, and I'm sorry about that. And so, as they're falling and we're about to go into battle, I flip open my timer and I show it to Ezra, and I say, "There will always be more, more people to fight, more people to fight for, but what there won't always be more of is time." The unforetold is coming. It's only a minute hand away. 
I'd like to think that we've at least made our impression on this rock before, before whatever it is happens. Maybe we are what happens, Ezra. Fight with us. And she pauses and she looks around as like um, smolder on enforcers start to jump off of these like drill cars and they're kind of cracking their knuckles and, you know, pulling out like uh, burning red hot knives and things. And they're kind of starting to surround us a little bit. And she's like. And she slowly pulls out her flint lock. You get one. You get one time. And this is it. Once this fight is over. It's your rebellion. You got weapons, stranger? And she kind of gestures over to me, and I'm like, you bet I did. You, uh, uh. And I reach into my saddlebag, and I grab the little rot, uh, the little rot ruster. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that has eaten all of the, like, fancy knives and guns <laughs> and things that I kept in this thing. You little... <laughs> No, the answer is no. <laughs> and I say, of course you do. And I gesture to the sky beasts. <sighs> All right. <laughs> and I, I think I put my fingers in my mouth and I blow the whistle and the wings flap out. <laughs> and uh, Ezra like cocks her pistol and you ready your musket. And as we kind of swirl around us, surrounded by, you know, tank cars and gun and knife wielding goons, I think that is the perfect cliffhanger for us to leave it on. Excellent. And that's game. That was really fun. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for playing with me, Jeff. This was great. I had such a great time. Thank you so much. This uh, absolutely ruled. I think the vibes, I think this lived up to exactly what I wanted from the game when we started, and I could not be happier. Yeah, it uh, it all came together. It seemed like there were some some uh, tight threads that ran deep in our histories, and they all they all followed through with the story and and in a in a short play session. You're you're a master of uh, pulling a story together in a short time. So um, I, I really had a blast playing with you. I'm really really glad. So uh, thank you again for playing. And before we wrap things up, uh, where can people find you, your work, and this game online? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so first of all, this game, uh, as I said before, is a part of One Night Worlds, which uh, the Kickstarter is over. Um, One Night Worlds, just as a refresher, is a collection of zero prep, GMless, one-page TTRPGs like this one. There's five other games in the in the collection. Um, even though the Kickstarter's over, you can still pre-order it on itch at instadeath.itch.io slash One Night Worlds. Um, if if you're interested, you know, I, I don't just make games. I also uh, talk about TTRPGs and other narrative games, too, uh, on Twitter and YouTube and on a podcast. Um, so on Twitter, you can find me at InstaDeathPod. Um, on YouTube, you could just search for InstaDeathPodcast. And uh, if you'd like to hear audio, you prefer that format, which I think you might since you are a, um, a party of one listener. Um check out anchor.fm slash instadeath. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for doing the show. I really, really appreciate it. This game was a blast. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future, me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Brian for coming on to the show. That game was... That fucking ruled. That kicked ass. I had such a good time with that game. I could not be happier with how that turned out. 
Be sure to check the show notes for more information about Tales of Clockwork and Chaos and the rest of the One Night Worlds collection, as well as the rest of Brian's work, and be sure to follow Brian on Twitter at InstaDeathPod. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Then wherever you get your great content, you can find us at either Party of One Pod or Party of One Podcast. Party of One Podcast on TikTok, Party of One Pod on Tumblr, Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. We're out there on the internet. You know where to find us. If you enjoyed the show, consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. Consider supporting the show financially at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer. Or consider heading to bit.ly slash party of one merch and picking up a party of one t-shirt or sticker or notebook. You can also tell a friend about the show, give us some love on social media. I don't know. There's a lot of things that you can do. And if you finished the show and thought, I'd really want like two more great podcasts, I have you covered. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by listener prompts. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. Or you can check out Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast at tinyurl.com slash Podcast. That's an actual play about a heartless witch, a cozy house, and the many people making their homes inside. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. Music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Rain, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming onto the show as a guest, or about press coverage of the show, email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And, unless I am mistaken, that's all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. 